I like me some Gloria Estefan. Boy, she was huge for a while. Yeah, where did she go? I thought she was doing one of like the, the resort towns, you know, like, like uh, not Branson, but something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like she's, she's hanging out in Macau doing six shows a week. <laughs> right. <laughs> Next door, Engelbert Humperdinck is taking it down, yeah. you know, still doing his thing. And I'll sing you to sleep. Right. That's right. After, After the, the loving. loving. That's right. It's Tuesday. It is Tuesday, isn't it? Wait. It is Tuesday. All right, it's Tuesday. March 15th. March 15th. The Ides of March are upon us, Bill. Oh, boy. The Ides of March. Wait, behind you right now. (laughs) Are you behind me? (laughs) Wait, why am I the guy killing you? (laughs) Uh, So uh, my voice sounds a little weird, right? But I'm okay? Uh, You're fine, yeah. I mean, you're you're as good as you're going to get on a lav mic over Skype on your phone. It's kind of a Frankenstein thing. Happening. All right, so how are you doing this? So, I, okay, all right. So first of all, uh, you're listening to On Taking Pictures. This is, uh, what? 203? 203? Yeah, episode 203. Okay. Uh, it is uh, yeah, we, March 15th. Yeah, good. Okay, yep. 203. Uh, uh, Jeffrey Zoris, Bill Wadman. Yep. And uh, I, I am in New Orleans right now, as you no, know. No law. No law. Nolens. Sure. Uh, I am uh, at as we as we speak. I'm on the 41st floor of the Marriott, overlooking uh, uh, Bill's namesake, Big Muddy. Big Muddy. <laughs> uh, uh, the the Mississippi River, and it's lovely. Uh, yeah, you're. I mean, you're way at the bottom of the Mississippi, right there. Yeah. 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 It's it's lovely though. Uh, so yeah, the, the the way this is working. So I've got. Uh, I've got a Zoom H5. Okay. Uh, into that, I've got uh, a Roadlink wireless lav filmmaker kit. Okay. And and then uh, that is all the output of the Zoom. So you've got the, the Roadlink going into the Zoom, uh, and then all that's going into my phone and uh, Skype over Wi-Fi. Wow. Okay. So I've got I've got a little thing called an iRig, uh, which is handling basically it's 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 a it's a couple it's a it's a splitter headphone out. Um, oh, I see. Okay. So, so so you're going analog into the iRig from the Zoom. Uh, yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So the the iRig is plugged into the phone, and on the iRig are are two. Uh, there's an output and an input for an instrument. Ideally, this thing is designed for to go in plugging, the middle line. Yeah. yeah, plugging a guitar in and 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 being able to use IK Multimedia's effects pedals, virtual effects pedals. Now, why not just uh, use the iRig, plug the mic into the iRig? It doesn't have enough juice to do that. Uh, it's all about inputs and outputs. Then, okay, okay. <clears throat> there's no yeah. There's no preamp in it. Right. Okay. But it's, uh, it's, it's just basically routing signals. Okay. Got it. Okay. Got it. So, but it, but it seems to be working, which it seems to be working. Yeah. I mean, it's basically, it's, it's how it's half of how we did the walkabout on the mall. Right. Instead of recording it locally to the zoom, I'm, I'm spitting out my side to you. Right. Yeah, that works. So hopefully we won't get kicked out. Uh, Mercedes and Emily said it was okay to be up here. So 
Hopefully oh, sure. Name drop Mercedes and Emily. <laughs> Hi, Emily. Um, I love the name Emily for some reason. I don't know why. It's a very pretty name, and she was very yeah. lovely. She was very nice to let me stay up here. Uh, uh, so, yeah. So, well, we should, we should, we should get going so that we don't uh, end up uh, getting kicked out right. before we're done. Right. Uh, so, so what do you think of New Orleans? I haven't been there in, oh, God, I don't know, 20 years? You know, I spent the well all all day yesterday was in the the French Quarter, which right didn't really click with me at all. To it's be very, honest with very you, very French. Uh, Bourbon Street is a pit. Yeah, it's a it's it's. I mean, if if you know, sort of drunken debauchery is your thing, it you'll dig Bourbon Street. I was going to say maybe you just didn't have enough to drink. That's right. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> uh, it's just I don't know. I didn't dig it at all. Uh, the, the French quarter, there are pockets of the French quarter that are interesting, but overall it's okay. I mean, the history of it and all the rest of it is, yeah, the history is is more fascinating. There are a billion people wandering around. So the the types of photographs that I'm trying to get are very difficult with that many people walking around. And and it was over the weekend. It was over the, the St. Patrick's day falls. When is it? Thursday is St. Patrick's day. This Thursday, right? Yeah. So when, uh, from according to the locals, when that happens, when St. Patrick's Day falls in the middle of the week, they have parades before and after. Oh. So uh, there, there was a, a parade Sunday that went through the city. Uh, and then there's a, there's a St. Joseph's parade on Saturday. And then I, I believe a St. Patrick's parade on Sunday. So on Sunday, have they asked you to sing Twist and Shout on one of the floats? <laughs> They haven't asked, but I have volunteered. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's a, it's a it's an interesting place. Uh, I think it would be more interesting at 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 the beginning of the day and at the end of the day when you've got a little more room to move and the light is a little better. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's uh, today I'm going to the Garden District and wandering around in the Warehouse District, and I may take. Uh, there's a ferry that you can take across the river to. Oh gosh, is it Algier? Al- Algier? Is that, uh, is that where it is? You're asking the wrong guy, but okay, okay. sure. Anyway, another little area across you know, the river. It's, it's a much lower city than. Well, I guess it, it's. It feels almost like a West Coast city in the sense that it's kind of like not big, tall buildings like a lot of stuff on the East Coast. Yeah, the skyline, other than the the hotels and and some of the the financial districts. Once you once you go to the east of that into the into the quarter, it's two floor buildings, or right? Yeah. Right, two or three. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, I'm not a huge seafood person. Okay. So a lot of know, seafood, a lot shrimp, of seafood, shrimp étouffée, right? Um, yeah. Or étouffée brute since it's the Ides of March. Shrimp étouffée brute. <laughs> <laughs> and they only serve it on the 15th. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There's the title. <laughs> Uh, Uh, but it's you know the people are lovely by and large um and uh, it is praline not praline okay was informed of that and and you had the what did you eat yesterday the the fried things or or, uh, uh, oh the beignets from from cafe du monde yeah yeah my god the line okay whenever you see cafe du monde in a movie it's a lie because you can't just walk up and sit down or walk up and get something to go there's a line a block and a half long yeah 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 but that's i mean i think that isn't that always the case i mean wasn't yeah. that the case when you were in um 
uh, when you were in LA, whenever, you know, there's famous yeah. places to go yeah. in LA yeah. or whatever. It's, it's, you know, pinks in LA, voodoo donuts in Portland. Right. Um, yeah. it, it's the place where people go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah and yeah, you, yeah. you, you can, you can get, um, you can go to the, 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 uh, um, walk up window. There's like a to go window yeah. that you can do. Um, and that's the line is only a half block long for that one. Now I have a lot of friends. Well, not a lot, but I have had, I think three friends in the past two years move from around here to new Orleans. Um, artist friends, mostly. Hmm. Do, do you see an artist community down there or there's an enormous see- artist community? Okay. Yeah. So there's how, an how, enormous artistic like? community really well. It's, it's really good. Um, there's a great local music scene. Um, a lot of the street musicians are fantastic and I've met a couple of them. Uh, I met a guy named Joe Sheldo who kind of like, um, almost like a David Gray type of guy. Hey, how you doing? Is this, is this okay? It's okay to be here, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, there's a a guy, uh, Joe Sheldo, David Gray kind of sounding guy. Okay. Um, lots of singer songwriter, not just Cajun or, or Creole or, or, what you would otherwise call Southern, you know, music, uh, right, lots right, right. of different styles, but there are those things. There are the big band type things. There are the brass bands. There are the, you know, um, um, trombone sections and brass sections and all that. And that's fantastic. Dixieland yeah. kind of things. That's great. Um, when I went to a dinner last night with, uh, uh, Pablo Johnson, who, uh, does the red beans and rice, uh, okay. road show in DC yep. and other cities as well. Uh, at his house. And it was this incredibly eclectic group of people that, that, uh, came together. There was a, uh, one woman, uh, she's a Chinese sculptor that does, um, sculpture that, that biodegrades. And as it, as, as the sculpture biodegrades, the, the, it, it forms like nutrients in the soil. So then you can grow, uh, crops in in where the where the sculptures have, That's have sort of like broken the, uh, down the cardboard guy we talked about that time. similar yeah 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 uh her her husband is uh ha- has a phd in library sciences but they bought they bought uh, a farm in upstate new york and now make apple cider this organic apple cider that they brought and it was incredible so what are they doing what were they doing down there uh she's in residence here in the city uh, for an artistic project, some sort of art project that we didn't, we didn't get to because there were like 15 people at this dinner, but, uh, they're in residency here until May. Yeah. Uh, uh I, for a lot of people that I know who moved down there, they moved down there cause the living cost of living was so much less. And yet I've, I've heard in the last year or two that the rents and things have skyrocketed because of those people moving there. It's sort of, you have to get in at the right place on the life cycle, you know, right. similar to Austin or right, a lot of these right. other places. Yeah. Yeah. They're there. Uh, I talked to a couple of people about, about, you know, asking them, you know, what's it like to live here? And the tax rate is not, it's not huge. It's 9% is sales tax. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, to your point, the rents are increasing pretty rapidly. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, buildings realize, yeah. yeah, it was really interesting. There was a guy from, from photo Nola that was there. Um, uh, a grad student from, from, um, oh gosh, is UT in Austin? Uh, yes, it would be okay. Hook, I, Hook'em horns. Okay. I think that's, that's where he was from. I mean, just this really diverse group of people that I think was kind of a, 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 a representative cross section of the type of diversity that you'll find in this city. Yeah. Um, 
so we'll see. You know, this is day, full day two. Um, so I'll go to the garden district and wander around over there and, and, you know, some of the, some of the parks, um, been asking locals, you know, where, where should I stay away from? Where is it okay to go? You know, what's better in the day versus the night and just trying to, you know, areas they told you to stay away from. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, met up with Michael Hendrickson and his friend, Stacy. What are they doing down there? They were on a road trip from Western mass. Okay. And uh, they were visiting all sorts of abandoned places. They went to the abandoned Six Flags Park here. Oh, creepy! Yeah, showed me some pictures of it, and it's it's wild. If you, they if get you guys, uh, apparently, depending on where wink, you wink, you, nudge, nudge. Yeah, you can park in uh, a couple neighborhoods over, and then you walk uh, to, to try and get in. Yeah, if you guys haven't seen it, just look up uh, abandoned Six Flags New Orleans. And it's, it's creepy. It's really, really weird. And they climbed up on some of the, some of the coasters and took photos and, and it's, it's just, they asked me if I wanted to go beforehand. I was like, eh. was it, was it abandoned because of Katrina and all the yeah, rest? Yeah. It flooded. And they just opening, never opening got day, doing it. Opening day was the day that Katrina hit. Oh yeah. Look at that. They just, so they built it and then never got to use it. No. Oh, that's terrible. So now the city owns it. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's, a uh, just, just this ghost town of an amusement park. Now somebody, they're trying to sell it apparently. And another company wants to, to restore it as much as possible and reopen it because apparently the, the levees all surrounding it have been rebuilt, you know, since it's a, uh, it's like a Disney from hell. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's, it is. It's like this weird, I'm looking at, I'm looking at uh, satellite footage of it. Right oh, now. okay. Okay. Wow. Look at that. It's wow. nuts, right? Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's like all of those weird abandoned amusement parks, like the like the the yellow brick road one. The you know what I'm talking about that everyone t- uh, there were there were these pictures going around of a Wizard of Oz amusement park a few years. Oh, really? Ago. And apparently, uh, it it like got abandoned years ago. Is it in the U.S.? <clears throat> apparently, it's in North Carolina. It's in Beach Mountain, North Carolina. Huh. And it's got a yellow brick road and the whole thing. It's called the Land of Oz. And it's completely abandoned and super creepy. <laughs> and people go in there. Apparently, people who used to work there meet up once a year or some crazy thing. I'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah, too. yeah. Uh, but the, it's man. How do you feel about the whole abandoned photography thing? Does it freak you out a little bit? I think it's interesting. I, I, you know, I'm not comfortable going in places like that, or I don't think I would because be. it's illegal or dangerous. Um, potentially both. Okay. You know, they, it was funny. I said, you know, are you, I hope you guys don't get arrested. And they were like, oh, well, we bought, we brought bail money just in case. Really? Yeah. See, yeah. I'm, I'm Which I thought was that. fascinating. It's like, well, okay, at least you're prepared, I guess. But, yeah. you know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, it's odd. Um, but, you know, it was fun to talk to them. And we, we walked around yesterday some, and, and there are terrific galleries here. Really yeah. terrific little, little, uh, you know, smaller, smaller galleries, lots of eclectic work. Um, anything from, uh, more maybe Americana craft okay. style up yeah. to, you know, incredible portraiture and abstracts, yeah. furniture. Et- Etsy to Gagosian. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, went into one gallery that had just amazing small portraits. They were a foot by a foot. And the, the guy is from Belgium and I'll, I'll find a link and send it to you. Okay. Uh, He's from Belgium and he collects old photographs at yard sales, flea markets, uh, estate sales, things like that. 
and he he paints his own version of the portrait and you know embellishing slightly or maybe changing the characteristics but but uses the portrait as as kind of an inspiration and then he writes backstories for each of these characters oh weird yeah and they are absolutely fantastic uh this this gallery had probably oh geez probably two dozen of them and uh, i think there were two thousand each wow okay and that's another thing that the, the, the pricing is very odd there's a street photographer who lives here who i guess has lived here for many many years uh decades and has a gallery just off of, is it Jackson Square Park? Is that right? Jackson Square? That that actually, I think I saw a park called Jackson Square, so that could be. Okay, so I think it's off Jackson Square. It's just basically across the street from Cafe Du Monde. So whatever that park is right there, and there's a church. Anyway, he's got a gallery there. And he's selling 13 by 19 limited editions for 500 <clears throat> Okay. Which, excuse me. Which, it, it's not a lot. It's not a little. And he's actually successfully selling them. Apparently. The gallery's been there for, for 20 years. I wonder if he's selling them more to locals or more to people visiting. I don't know. And, and here's the other thing, Bill. When you get up close, I mean, the composition is great. The photographs are terrific. But when you get up close yeah. and, and look at them, there's a lot of color noise. There's a lot of what's, what looks to be JPEG artifacting. Yeah, n- not great quality prints. Not at all. Okay, and and it it looks as though I mean and again compositionally they're wonderful, but yeah. it looks as though you're trying to print an eight, ten, or twelve megapixel image, thirteen, nineteen, sixteen, twenty. Right, 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 right. You right. know, and you you get a lot of that that artifacting and noise. Yeah, sure. Well, that's going to happen. Uh, so in that respect, it's like mm, that's a lot of money for. I, but I wonder, you know, and and I'm going to put on a like you know, coastal snob hat for a second. Sure. I wonder if that's the kind of thing that you notice or I notice that maybe somebody doesn't care about there or doesn't, you know what I mean? Maybe, maybe, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to, I was curious about it, but I didn't want to bring it up to the gallery owner or the, 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 the gallerist that was there and, and be kind of, mm, well, what about this? You know, right. I don't want to put somebody on the spot like that. On the other hand, if I were buying one, then maybe I would. Maybe I would go. Okay, now what, what's what's going on here? Uh, and I asked him what he shot with. Asked the gallerist what this photographer shot with, uh, and he said, "Oh, uh, uh, you know, Canons, Nikon's, whatever he happens to have with him." Yeah. And it, there's a there's a little two twenty two twenty one whatever. It takes. Yeah, whatever it takes. <laughs> there's a little blurb, uh, and one of the cameras that he's shooting with a lot right now is the Fuji X thirty, which I isn't it only like a twelve megapixel camera. Fuji X30 is probably 12 megapixels. Yeah, that's the, that's that's like the little one with the variable lens, the variable right, zoom. Right, right. But it's it's the isn't it the older one or is that the newest one? Uh, you I know don't what? know the, the, I think the that smaller is the cameras. Newer one. So okay, but, but it's a smaller sensor on it. It's right. it's not like a, it's not APS-C. I don't think. No, it's not. Uh, and I will look it up while you're talking. So he's he's shooting with that and then uh, printing on an Epson P800. It is 12 megapixels. Okay. Uh, Epson P800. So, I mean, I mean, they're probably fine, but if he's shooting in low light and blah, 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 like, you know. Uh, yeah. It's, it starts to fall apart in the shadows. Yeah. It's, uh, uh but I, okay. Well, that, that gets into a bigger discussion maybe for another time of how much does quality like that matter? I mean, it matters to me, mm-hmm. but does it matter to most people? You know, do most people I don't know. care? It, it, to, to, to those of you to the listening who, who do 
collect other people's work. Do, do, do things like that matter or does great composition and, and great mood trump those kinds of technical issues? And I'm not talking about sharpness or, yeah, or yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. but, but literally technical limitations of the medium. I knew a guy once who uh, was a, a friend of a guy I used to know. So he's, you know, two steps removed from me. Okay. Who used to put out these pictures. Uh, he, he used to take pictures of old TVs with static on them and then print them out. And that, that was his art. Pictures of static on an old television. Um, just the screen or did we get an idea of, of the actual? I think it was just the screen or, or the, the maybe just maybe just the frame of the screen, you know? Huh. Um, and it's an interesting idea, but at the time, and this was years ago, he was taking these pictures with like a little, like old crappy pocket digicam that was three or four megapixels, you know, like one of the little tiny old Canon right. Elf or something like that. Right. Um, and then printing them at 11 by 14 or whatever it is. And they just did not hold up, especially JPEG artifact artifacting on noise on a screen. I mean, it's like right. worst case scenario, you know, right. let's, let's, let's try to JPEG artifact absolute randomness. Um, and was it presented as, as and this is really what I'm crappy. going for? Oh, well, okay. I, 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 it's one of those things where it's like you, at a certain point, at a certain level with certain people, you could explain that away as, as a feature as opposed to a bug. Right. Right. You know, it's, uh, a, it's a stylistic choice. Yeah. Where for me, it was just like, no, it's just you being lazy or not having technical skill to do that. Right. Hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not saying that that's always the case. I mean, there's people who make you know, decisions of things being super grainy or whatever is because they want that look, which is fine. But this was just sort of like, no, that just looks bad. There's a difference well, between, it, you go know, ahead. Yeah. There's a difference between something being a technical limitation and something really looking bad. Yeah. Yeah. There, you can, there's a visual difference between grain and color noise. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I, I do think that that's interesting though. Well, yeah, yeah I do too. So you're there for a few more days though. So you're gonna have to let us know what you think of, uh, think of it at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Well today, you know, I'm, I'm visiting as many galleries as I can. Um, and just seeing, uh, what the local art scene is. I love seeing what people are doing and what, you know, are, are there, I guess there have to be, but are there regional aesthetics? Yeah. I, you know, yes, I'm sure that there are. I mean, look, when you go to New Mexico, you get all that, you know, the Adobe, Southwest, exactly. And, yeah, all that yeah. Southwestern Jade or what do they use? Jade? Not uh, turquoise, turquoise, uh, which, you know, all that turquoise jewelry and stuff, which I absolutely have no love for. Mm -hmm. Like it all just looks the same to me, but for people who are like really into that, that's, you know, that's the look of the area. Right. You know? Right. And even the paints that people use to paint those places or paint landscapes. I mean, they're using the colors of the desert, you know, uh, which isn't my thing. Yeah. I, you it's know, totally I, a thing. I always wondered what. Not always, but for a long time, I've wondered about <laughs> wondering, man. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna give you an answer. <laughs> if if you you know coming to here to New Orleans, a lot of the photography is representative of the city. Okay. If if you if you live in a city, do you want photographs of your own city? You as somebody buying them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I'm, if I'm living in Do New Parisians York, walk around with, have pictures of, of Robert Duano on yeah, their wall well, or, or architectural landmarks, even if sure, it's, if it's yeah. street work, you know, I, and I don't know my, my personal thing is if I, if I live here, I, I can go out and see what's around me. I don't need to have pictures of it around me 
in my home, I, I, I would almost rather have pictures of other streets, sure. places. Yeah. It, it's a very, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's an odd thing. That is a question. Well, people have to let us know. Cause that, I, yeah, I, like I have, I think one picture of the, uh, um, uh, flat iron building that mm-hmm. I have up on the wall that I took years ago, but mm-hmm. in general, I don't have a lot of New York pictures sitting up. And yeah, why is that? Is it is it because you're you're surrounded by it? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't take a lot of those kinds of pictures anyway, so it's, mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. that's part of it. I think if I was like a a guy who was out with my camera all the time taking pictures of buildings in New York, maybe I would have more of that stuff up there. Right. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess part of it is that it's it's I do have a big picture from Yosemite on my wall, mm-hmm. and you know I've had a pictures from Italy or France or whatever on my wall. So yeah, maybe there is an element of that. That's why I kind of think that the people who were who are going to be paying five hundred dollars for a print are most likely people visiting rather than they're out of town there. and taking yeah. it home. Yeah, they're okay. on vacation. I can see you that. know, it's uh, yeah, we'll have to see that. Hey, uh, William Mathy. Yes. Is that how you pronounce that? You think? I believe so. Uh, sent us an email. Remember last week you were, you had your definition of professional from, uh, what's his name from Ansel. Right. Did you read this email? I like this email. <clears throat> Did I read it? I don't know if I read it. It's a good one. He said, uh, he said that the, the that the topic of professionalism. Oh wait, yeah, uh, I did read this. Okay, yeah, yeah, I think it's pretty good. Yeah, it is very, it's uh, very good. He was saying that that uh, teachers have a, a certain definition of. He said that 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 one of his rules is behave professionally. Mm-hmm. Is something that every vocational teacher should use as a behavioral guideline. I don't think the expectation means that we can afford to pay our students that compose themselves well, though it might mean students should mimic people that are paid or are employable. Professional behavior means uh, to demonstrate a respect for yourself and everything from decisions you make to the clothes you wear, weighing the benefits and consequences of your actions, demonstrating core values and decisions you make and building relationships, Uh, make interactions meaningful and productive, be representative of your mentors. Um, So, so so there is, there is professional with regard to behavior. Right. And I think Maybe that maybe there's something to that, right? Except that my only problem with it is that basically you're saying have respect for the systems around you. Seems to be a little bit of what that definition is, right? I can see, yeah, I can see some of that, sure. Yeah. Um I don't know. I just I I just thought it was I thought it was a different way of looking at it. There is like a come on, like be like be professional, like stop acting like a jokester. We're in an important meeting or you right, know, that, right, that right, sort right. of thing. And and there is I mean, there's a certain level of that that is just sort of tamping down things that are different, you know, sort of a whack-a-mole uh, approach. But I also think that there's there's something to the idea of having respect for yourself and having respect for the thing that you're doing. And respecting others who are doing it as well. And maybe that's a big part of professionalism. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and different people are going to, are going to, they're going to respond differently to it. Like, for example, I know a, a, a photographer, wedding photographer yeah. who, who shows up with way more gear than he needs. Yeah. And we were talking about this. I said, what do you, what do you, what do you bring to a, to a shoot? He's like, I bring everything. I bring everything and I take it all out and I explain it and I ask questions, I answer questions if there are any. Because I want the perception to be, wow, this guy really knows what he's doing. So, yeah. So, so having a lot of gear will give a certain air of, of quality. Right. Whether yeah. or not that's needed. I mean, could you shoot a wedding yeah. with a, with a 50 and a speed light? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 
So it's sort of the the Gregory Heisler uh, way of looking at the world. Sure. You know. You know, and we we we've talked about you know let's say you show up with uh, you know a, a a pro photo kit and a and a phase one right. You know, there's a for for people who who know and maybe people that 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 don't know what that gear costs. There's an impression that, wow, that's a big camera, and I've never seen one of those before. Right. Or that's one of those cameras you look down into. I haven't seen one of those since I got my high school picture taken. Right. Right. Yeah. So so those are aspects of professional or professionalism that yeah. that, that in it, it you know above and beyond the behavior. True. Yeah, absolutely. Although I think that those are, um, while true and I agree with you, uh, they feel like um, superficial in the sense that they, to any true professional, would look at the other guy and go, yeah, but you don't really need that. So that's just a show that you're putting on. Mm -hmm. Patina, you know? A patina of professionalism. Yeah, which is a Mm. whole other thing, you know? If, 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 if you have daddy's credit card and you can go buy a bunch of crap, that doesn't make you good at using it, you know? Right. Um, so there, so there's, there's also that element of it. Um, huh. but, 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 and I think it's, you know, it's interesting though. Like I have, um, a friend of the show, Randy Duchesne, um, you know, has shot every camera system known to man and right, used, right. used to shoot prim- all primes on a cannon. And, and then he got to the point where he's like, yeah, I don't feel like carrying all this crap around. I'm going to use a 5D and a 24 to 105 zoom. And that's it. F4 zoom. And that's it. And then he got sick of that. And now he shoots 80% of his stuff on a Sony X100. No is kidding. That the, is that the little one? The little the R- RX100. RX100. It's like a revision three. I think and a revision he has a four. Mark two. Okay. Okay. Um, and he shoots 90% of his stuff on that. And he's like, looks great. He always quotes somebody whose name I can't remember. Some, you know, old school professional photographer who said, you know, what do you want in a camera? You want it to be fast. You want to take a ton of pictures. You want it to uh, focus quickly. You want it to do all this stuff. You want it to deal with color changes in the light automatically, basically auto white balance and all the rest. He's just like, this camera does all of those things. He's just like, people would have killed for this camera 40 years ago. Right. You know, and he's just like, and so that's the one I'm carrying. It fits in my pocket and I don't have to worry about it. And I don't have to think about it. And it gives me a 20 megapixel file that I can do whatever I need to do with it. He's just like, on the odd chance that I need more than that, I can go pick up my Canon. But this does for me. But more and more he's shooting with that. This makes him happy. Now, wow. I owned one of those for a few months and I didn't like taking pictures with it at all. But I'm much more of a pixel peeper, annoying, you know, post-production guy than Randy is. Let me ask you this. Do you feel more, and this is, this is a loaded one too, do you feel more professional depending on what you're holding gear-wise? Do you feel more or less professional with a 5D3 versus, you know, the Fuji or the little Sony? Is there, do you approach what you do differently uh, not consciously, but I guess there's a certain level. I mean, if you're, if you're holding a medium format camera or something and taking pictures, I feel like there is a, uh, an automatic thing that goes along with that. It's like, it's like if you're a driver and you're driving a, you know, uh, uh, what, what are the high end, um, BMWs, the X series is like an those? M M five, yeah, yeah, yeah. like an M five, like right? Uh-huh. If you're, if you're, if you're driving a, a, an M five or you're driving a Volkswagen Passat or you're driving a Honda civic, it's like the way you drive that car is going to be different based upon the car's abilities, mm-hmm. you know? 
You see yeah, what I'm the, saying? the basic mechanics are going to be the same, but yeah, there's nuance. Yeah, and and you and you you know you may push the 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 fast the 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 M car fast you know more. You know, right. It's like, you know, I could redline this thing or like, oh, I'm going around that corner. You know, what? I don't really need to slow down because these tires can handle it. Um, so I think that the, there's a certain and, and I don't mean this in a negative way at all. I think that there's a certain uh, it's best word I can come up with arrogance when you can use a lot of those cameras because you're like, oh, this camera, this camera is is can can do things that I couldn't do with something else. So. You know, it's like I'm going to use it. It's it's sort of like uh, having a wingman. You know, it's like right. This 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 guy has my back. You know, while I'm doing this, because no matter almost no matter what I shoot, if I get these lights set up right and I've got this phase back and I got a you know attractive person in front of me, like these pictures are going to come out great. Now, could I have done this with a Canon or my little thing? Sure, absolutely. But there's a certain like uh, strut I think that you get when using fancier gear, um, and maybe that is palpable to the client. You know. Hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. do you feel differently taking pictures with your phone versus taking pictures with your Fuji? Not versus really. When when you took pictures with your Nikon, not they really. all feel the same they, to you. Okay. They, compositionally, and and I mean, I'm noticing more limitations, but I don't feel really any 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 differently about limitations it. with the phone. Yeah, or yeah. or limitations with with, with the Fuji. The Fuji. Yeah. Um, the, the the there's a. There was a solidity, and and that maybe that's the wrong choice of words, but there was a solidity to the the Nikon just because it, you know, it, it was bigger, it was heavier, it fit my hand better. I could I could do that uh, that, that you know if I'm if I'm needing to stabilize it, I could I could put it in the crook of my shoulder and kind of stabilize it against myself. Sure. If I was shooting it at you know slower shutter speeds or something, um, so mechanically they are different. Yeah, yeah. But I don't I don't approach what I shoot any differently, I don't think. Not consciously yeah. anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I guess it's, you know, different strokes for different folks. I think for some people it's 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 um, you know, it's nice to hold the really well-balanced hammer, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there and there's something to that, which is fine if you can afford it, but it's certainly not going to kill you. I you know, I did that um uh I put up those pictures, a few pictures from the corner that I turned black and white. Yep. And, and like a bunch of people guessed, a couple of people guessed correctly, which ones were which, but it's certainly not blatantly obvious to everybody, which are which, you know, it's one of those things where it it's didn't like, seem to be. Yeah. Um, um you know, it, and again, I just it's, did a quick thing trying to get them close, you know what I <clears throat> yeah, mean? Like, so. I would like to see straight out of camera as well. I would love yeah, okay. to see them. Well then, you know, yeah, look. I will, I will put up, uh, maybe I'll put up the two raw files so people can play with them. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I ran into a guy speaking of the, the Leica uh, some street musicians were playing and, and, uh, I, I took a couple of photos of them and there was a guy standing there with an M4, yeah. I believe. And, uh, and, uh, he, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got my Fuji and he's like, Oh, Hey, nice camera. And I was like, yeah, you're, 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 yours is nicer. And he goes, he goes, yeah, but yours focuses. <laughs> <laughs> it was, you know, it was funny when Kent was over here with the, with the monochrome and I was like taking pictures and I'm like, look at the, the viewfinder and it's, 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 you know, it's a range finder and like, for some reason, I didn't, even though I own Leicas and stuff, he's just like, oh, are, are you going to focus? I was like, oh, man, I totally, like, it totally right. just sort of, I was like, oh, of course, yeah. And and I started focusing, and I was like, man, it's like a whole other thing having autofocus. You you, it, it, you do get crutched on it, you know? Sure. Uh, are there any sort of electronic bright lines or exposure data in, in the, the monochrome viewfinder, or is it is it uh, treated just like a manual camera? That is a good 
question. I didn't even notice because I was shooting with strobe, so I kind of just set the exposure. Oh, wow. I think I think if it's like, um, I bet you it's like, um, uh, um the m7 and those where there's like lights that light up to tell you mm, if it's mm-hmm. over, underexposed or overexposed and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and maybe maybe like the the exposure settings but not a whole lot of information nothing like the big fancy ones you know mm. yeah um but uh yeah it's just i don't know it's just it's just uh everything's interesting to me now everything's interesting hey also gray market follow-up there's a great article on kenrockwell.com who I, I did read that yeah uh which basically confirmed what we thought about gray market which is that these companies import the stuff themselves and that they don't generally have the full um warranties and that kind of stuff where they have store warranties or or local warranties that the store buys for you and that kind of stuff uh i don't know for me i i would still go with the u.s stuff how do you feel about it do, do you trust I trust. I, mean, no I, one. I guess B and H has their own <laughs> trust. No one. B and H has their own uh, repair uh, facility? repair facility, don't they? Uh, yeah. Uh, Do you trust that they know what they're doing more than? I, I, I don't know. I kind of waffle on. I, I do I think, like sending my stuff to the manufacturer for some reason. I feel like they have access to stuff that other people have to reverse engineer. But is it is it like bringing your car to a dealer versus a good mechanic? Is it, is it that simple? Uh, Look, I'm sure there are guys, there's, what's the, what, there's a place in New York that you can, which name I can't remember that I was, I almost brought one of my, like a, my old, like a lenses one time because one of the coatings was like kind of coming off flaking and uh, I brought it in for them to look at it. And it was like just a room filled with, you know, Japanese guys with microscopes and tools on their desk, on their, you know, on the top. Uh, desktop and they do all kinds of crazy camera repairs for all kinds of old cameras and stuff and i'm sure if you got like the best guy in the room at a place like that it would be easily as good as the best guy at the canon place in new jersey Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but you know it's sort of like one of those things where it's like if he messes it up canon's gonna know that and then right are you cutting corners because you don't have either the the equipment or the know-how and that's what's happened with the with the car stuff right is that they've now made it so electronic and all the rest of it that you can't do a lot of stuff on cars without special tools and right and and you know this little black box that plugs in over here you know that kind of crap you know um, when i speaking of cars this is kind of a, an interesting analogy maybe when i brought my car in to get smogged in maryland you 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 know how in, in california and and every place that i've ever done it they've got the little thing that they stick in the tailpipe and and that's the meter that that that's the sensor rather that that records sure, you know, what, yeah. parts per million or whatever they don't do that. What They've do got they a little thing that just plugs into the diagnostic port under the steering wheel. They trust and... that the car is going to tell you the right numbers. Yes. Even though Volkswagen just proved that car companies lie. Right. That seems weird. It was, I, I had never seen it before. And you're in and out in five minutes. Just boom, done. Well, that, I also, I'm sure that the numbers are much more stringent in California than they are everywhere else. Uh, probably. Yeah. yeah I, I think, yeah, yeah. I think California has the highest emissions or one of the highest emissions standards in the country yeah, or lowest emission standards. <laughs> or, right. Right. That's what I meant. That's what You're I meant. like, smog it up, baby. Right. <laughs> did you, when you lived in LA, when you were a kid, do you remember like the smog? Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. There were smog days. Of course. Yeah. God, that's so weird. Yeah. And, and, and that kind of went away over time. Well, th- there was the, the, the clean air act was passed. Yeah. Um, and, and that helped tremendously. Um, 
you know, when, when, uh, uh, the fuel change from leaded fuel to unleaded fuel that supposedly had a, a pretty major impact. Yeah. 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 Um, I remember you know. we, we used to have a car that needed leaded fuel, like an mm-hmm. old classic mm-hmm. car. So you used to have to buy like the lead additive to stick right. in your car, like in the early eighties. That's so weird when that, when that thing changed. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a whole thing, man. Yeah. Hey, uh, remember last week I took pictures of this guitarist uh, girl that I talked about a little bit. Yes. And after we recorded the show, I thought of something that I was talking to her about that I wanted to throw by run by you. Sure. She, she's a, a woman and has smaller hands than a lot of guitarists and that kind of stuff. Okay. And so she's sitting there and she's whittling away on her guitar while we're taking pictures. And I said, you know, I was like, you know, you have, you have pretty small hands. Like, do you ever, reach limitations like are there limits to what you can do on the guitar because of your hand size that that they drive you crazy or anything you know any any time where you're like oh i wish i could play this song but like my hands aren't big enough or whatever Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and she said something really interesting something very like zen she said you know i don't she's like "Eh, i don't really think about it that much uh i don't i don't want to try to have the same relationship with my instrument that other people have with theirs i want to have the relationship i have with my instrument Mm mm-hmm and I thought that that was really kind of a cool way of looking at it. Yeah, that is, it is really cool actually. Right. It's like, kind of like, yeah, you know what? Like, yeah, that guy can reach this, you know, crazy thing, but like maybe there's stuff that I can do that he can't because of my smaller hand size. And, and, and that, that the comparison is irrelevant because I can't do anything about it. All right. I can do is do what I can do with my instrument. Well, and, and you, you, you know, you work your way around it. I, I remember seeing an interview with Elton John and he talked about how small, you know, how short his fingers are. Stubby little sausages. Right. To, yeah. to be a piano player. And he, he had to kind of develop his way of playing because he couldn't play the types of, uh, or, or in the same way that people with longer, more graceful or delicate or whatever fingers could play. So he had to develop to, to, to your friend's point, a different relationship with his piano than somebody you know, who does have that, that level of either, either physical dexterity or just, or just, you know, size and scope. Yeah. And I just, I just thought it was a really great way of looking at it because so often in this modern world, we sit and we compare ourselves to everybody else all the time. It's like this weird, you know, narcissistic mirror all the time, you know, mirror, mirror on the wall. Like, Mm-hmm. Do I have as many likes as that other guy? Because, you know, whatever it is. Right, right. And I just like the idea that she just didn't, she's just like, I don't care. Like, I, you know, I'm good. I do what I do. And it's, but it's, but it's really about, it's about me and this thing that I'm holding, you know, or it's about me and my camera or it's about, you know, um, me and this pen. And, and that's that like, and, and that's everything that it's about. And any, the way anybody else does it is somewhat irrelevant. Um, yes, because it, well, yeah, you're not going to even look all, even all things being equal like that, you're still not going to get the same results. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I forget, maybe it was, maybe you turned me on to Man, some Elton John does have weird little hands. They're little, right? <laughs> Somebody was saying, and I don't remember if it was something that you pointed me to that, that the, the, the best thing you can do as, as a photographer is, is you can do <laughs> Sorry. have, have that, that relationship with your camera that you don't have to look at it. You don't have to think about it that, you know, you know where everything's at, you know what everything does so that you can forget about it and just get on with making pictures. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where well, you're th- not having to dig around for a setting or a, or or a, a button or a menu item or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that that at the point at which it just becomes automatic. Although, you know, what's really funny is that there's a lot of people who change their exposure. They have the camera up to their eye and they're flicking around exposure and and shutter speed, mm-hmm. uh, aperture and shutter speed. I couldn't tell you right now if you handed me the camera and said, "If you turn that dial this way, does the shutter speed go up or down?" I couldn't tell you. Yeah. Like I have no, I have no idea. Um, do you do you tend to? And this is a question for listeners too. I almost always take the camera away from my eye and look at the top thing as I'm turning knobs. I never make changes with the with the with the camera to my eye. Huh. Okay. And do you make? <clears throat> excuse me. Do you make changes to to shutter speed and aperture, or do you use EV? Oh. So I, I find myself always shooting an aperture. Or 99 of the time, I'm shooting an aperture priority, and I use the EV dial to to tweak it up or down as uh needed. yes that's 95 percent of what i do if using like constant lights mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah because i mean most of the time i'm always i'm almost always shooting nearly still subjects mm-hmm. you know so shutter speed is as long as it's over a 50th or an 80th of a second is irrelevant to me mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. but but for but the one thing i do want to control is is depth of field so yeah uh in fact i've in there were a few times i've actually <laughs> played with using uh auto ISO, which was like a new thing a few years ago and, and, you know, has become this third thing that the camera could do on its own. Right. Isn't it funny though, for how many years did we have ISO on cameras that people would change the ISO manually and and, until somebody thought, Hey, you know what? We could have the camera do this as like a third automatic setting. And people go, Oh, well, and, and for, for a while, the first, the first kind of iterations of auto ISO, it was, it was just, you couldn't set a threshold yeah, of what yeah, you yeah. wanted your, like, say your shutter speed. If it, if it, if it's the shutter it, speed needs to drop below a 15th, then up the ISO. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, you know, and, and right. And now you can usually say, oh, a 50th of a second, bump it up. But it was also that, that 800 or 1600 was a little more noisy five right. eight years ago. So the idea of letting the camera just bump it up to 3200 because it needs to is just like, whoa, right. I, I want to control that. I don't want it to go you know, nutso just cause I happened to turn the camera towards something dark and it freaked out and changed the settings on me. Right. Um, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I just like the idea of, of, I, I don't, I don't want to have the same relationship with my instrument as everyone hold, else has with them. Hold on one sec. Sure. Are you, are you guys going to be using the room? Hmm? Are you setting up to use this room? Yeah, it doesn't go off till later on tonight. Oh, okay. Okay. I don't want to get in your way. Oh, no, you're all right. Okay. Thank you very much. That's cool. I like that. You you talking to the staff, right? Well, you, you know, you, you got to tell them that uh, Emily and Mercedes said you could stay there. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it really is. I mean, I wish you guys could see this. Maybe I'll I'll take some photos and send them to you. Old muddy. It's it's. It it's is quite really, muddy down there, isn't it? It's it is. You can see the silt. You know, you can see the colors because there are barges going through. There was a riverboat that just went through. Don't they also get all the they get all of the farm runoff, right? So there's weird blooms of algae down there. Sometimes. I have heard that. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. This country right. is a really big place. You know that? It's enormous. You know, I mean, I understand. I met a Russian guy yesterday mm-hmm. and I understand that his country's even bigger. But like for people who are used to a country that is the size of Connecticut, you know, have these European countries and stuff. Uh Really, something our country. It is a beautiful place, um, and it is a. It's a. I hope it stays that way. 
uh, I got one more thing. If 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 you is this the zombie thing? Yeah. What? Okay, explain this to me because I'm reading through it. And I'm like, what is what is going on with this? Okay, so we had dinner. Zombie last... formalism. Yeah. So there's a guy named Sebastian Black who is a painter who it turns out is my next door neighbor. Um, and we had never really talked to he and his wife. Just sort of, you know, oh hey, how you doing? You know. But we never actually sat down and introduced ourselves. So the other night we had them over for dinner and we're all sitting around the table and we're chatting and, and he's talking about painting stuff and I'm talking about photography stuff and we're going back and forth. And then we mentioned that Conrad does her reanimated zombie podcast. Mm-hmm. And, and he said, you know, there's a thing in painting called zombie formalism. And I was like, okay, that's really weird. Like, what the hell is zombie formalism? Now, I am obviously not deep in the painting world sure but i i know enough to know that i've never heard the term zombie formalism before i i, I am right there with you i've never heard so this like term. so i found i did a search and i found this article on art space which i find interesting not i find it interesting both as a weird thing about painting but also as sort of a meta discussion and maybe we can have this uh next time when we you know when you can dig into it a little more okay. um about how uh, different art forms talk about the work that's going on in their spheres that everyone else is completely oblivious to. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. a lot of the mm-hmm. discussions that you and I have about photography and where photography is going and stuff is not the kind of thing that 99% of the public has even heard of the terms that we're using, let alone knows or, ca- or care about them or care about them. Yeah. Right. Right. Apparently zombie formalism it's formalism because the art involves straightforward, reductive essentialist method of painting which who knows what all those things mean, right? I'm sure those are very like specific uh, things and zombie because it brings back to life, the discarded uh, aesthetics of Clement Greenberg, the man who championed Jackson Pollock, uh, Morris Lewis and Frank Stella's black paintings among others. So it's sort of like, we're going to bring back this abstract expressionism stuff from the fifties, this dead thing and bring it back to life using these techniques, these formalist techniques of painting. And see, it's just interesting. Like there's this entire school of, of, of zombie formalism inside of painting that people are having conversations about that is like, what does that even mean? Right. You and I go look at paintings and we just see a painting where there's all these conversations that go along with it. Now this is, you know, very open season for Mike Sakazagawa to chime in here. <laughs> Um, <laughs> he's typing furiously as, the, as we speak and, and I'm sure he will, but it is, it is kind of, I don't know. I just, I think it's kind of, uh, neat. The fact that all this stuff is going on under the surface now, whether or not it makes any difference to the paintings or whatever, you know, but, but the, the thing that fascinates me is the fact that these conversations are going on and inform the way people judge new work that comes out. Right. Whether right. it's inside of whatever school is in favor right now or not in favor, mm-hmm. you know, um, I always think about whenever I talk to people who are in the fashion world and I was like, wait, is there really some people sitting in a room somewhere going, you know, what's going to be big this year? Yellow skirts above the knee. That's what's going to be the big thing this year, because eventually somebody has to choose. Yeah. And we're going to propel the yellow skirt yeah. above the knee agenda. Right. And we're going to, you know, get Vogue and Lucky and whoever else, whatever magazines are left to take pictures of these things. So make up 200,000 of those in these sizes because that's what we're selling this year. And that's the new thing. Mm -hmm. And these magazines will say, you know what's in this year? 
yellow skirts above the knee, you know? And, and it's like, wait a minute, somebody just decided that somewhere. Right. And in, in this kind of thing, they were talking about is, is that how, Is that really the way it works, you think? I, it has to. How else could it work? Somebody has know. to make a decision. Is it naturally going to come out of the fact that like a handful of women in New York or Paris start wearing yellow skirts and somebody goes, that's really cool. There's no way it can be that uh, open. You know what I mean? Like that hmm. much of a, a it can't a, be that organic. It has to be, yeah. it has to be manufactured somehow. Yeah. And it, so apparently the big thing about this is that everyone got sick of the Clem Greenberg look, all the stuff that he was championing. So it says by the late seventies, Clem bashing had become the art world's favorite indoor sport. The Clem rejection, bashing. yeah. The rejection <laughs> of Greenbergian Greenbergianism uh, was absolutely central to Soho's art conversation in those early pre Chelsea days. And as the 80s got underway, with the decade's double focus on neo-expressionism and postmodernist photography, Greenberg dropped out of the debate altogether. So it's like there's this weird little insular click thing where it's like, well, he Jeffrey's not cool anymore. So we're oh, not. They, they said that a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like, I just find it fascinating that that's even an element of it, you know, which, of course, it is. It's just stuff we don't really ever talk about. And I'm sure the same thing is true in photography. Sure. So anyway. If you know, I'll put the link in the show notes and maybe we can dig into that a little deeper next yeah, time. Yeah, I'd but, like to have some time to do some some research and, and see what, what's out there. Uh, you're going to do research about yellow knee-length skirts? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, zombie formalist yellow. <laughs> you know, here's the thing, though. I look at a lot of the paintings that are in here, and, and I like a lot of them. I like a few of them. Yeah, I'm looking at them right now. Like that Jacob Casey's? Casey's? I don't know his name, but then again, I don't know. It's also the, the one untitled from 2010. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's nice. And there's also you notice here it says that a lot of some of these paintings auctioned for say three hundred thousand dollars or whatever it is. Jesus. That's yeah, but uh, remember that you know the gallery takes half, so now it's down to one hundred and fifty minus taxes minus you know, and how long did it take them to paint it? You know what I right, mean? Like right. it doesn't end up being that these guys are winning the lottery. And these are guys who are big enough to be rep by big galleries who sell their stuff. You know, most people in the art world are not making a whole lot of cash. No. Is my point. Uh, hey, speaking of, yep. I went into one of the galleries that I went into, we got talking about, about painting and, and they said, the, the, the guy said, well, do you, so do you paint? And I said, I, sort of, you know, sort of, I do occasionally. And he's like, what kind of stuff? And I showed him and they looked through my entire portfolio of work He's and they're start like selling your stuff well the guy was like hey, do you show anywhere and i said oh, not for a long time i was in a couple group shows and he's like would you like to and i said well yeah i mean i, I would love to and he gave me his card and wrote his name he's like you know send, send me an email, email when, when you get back and let's let's talk about this he's like your stuff is really good see and there therein lies the thing where like you can that's the kind of stuff maybe you can do in a small city that if you tried to do it in la new york or dc everyone would be like Look, do you, I'm sorry. Have you been, you know, sent to me from somebody I respect? Right. You know? and, and, and well, and that got that kind of got me thinking about about what we were talking about, the regional aesthetics. Maybe maybe the, the stuff that I'm doing, to your point, isn't not right is the wrong word, but but isn't uh, uh, appealing on a, on a, on a, on a, on a, on a wide enough scale in those other cities. But in, in a market like this or in a city like this or in a culture uh, like this, maybe there, there, there is an aesthetic that, that works, or maybe my aesthetic works with them. Yeah. So which which would say. be great. But which, we'll see. I'll let you know how, how it, how it goes out. But it was, it, you know, it's sort of like, you know, even if you don't get to go to the prom, it was nice to be asked. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, you didn't get to go to the prom, did you? I didn't. <laughs> I went to the prom. I don't want to talk year, about it, Bill. Bill, I don't want to talk about it. Twice junior year, senior year. Uh, yeah, I went. I went with my sister's uh, gay friend. Vest or cummerbund? Uh, cummerbund. Always cummerbund. Yeah. All right. Uh, I did wear a vest at my friend's wedding where I met my now wife. So does that count? Uh, but I didn't her. choose that. No. Yeah. It doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, everybody's uh, work on these uh, uh, in the style of some of these are amazing. They they are indeed. I've been checking them throughout the week. Um, I don't know if I can pull them up now. It might kill my connection. Okay, but... I, I I will list a bunch that are that are really. Yeah, right. Hold on one really Let me cool. see if I can. Let me see if I can do this. Jeremy Bryant's picture, like Stephen Shore, which is like an old car on the street, is amazing. Uh, Gardner's Crudson one was great. Uh, who else did, uh, Oh, yeah, although, uh, did the, in the style of Todd Hito, which is pretty great. I, I love seeing people doing in the style of other people in the group. <laughs> yeah. That's actually pretty cute. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, Rob Gruber did Saul Leiter. Hugh did Robert Frank. Um, uh, Peter Gazer, uh, did Vivian Mayer, which is actually pretty funny. Uh, Mike Waller's picture uh, in the style of Joel Meyerowitz was actually pretty nice too. Um, amazing stuff. Can yeah, pull them really up good. Or, yeah, I'm pulling them up right now. I'm looking through. Uh, um, uh, yeah, Peter Evans, the Stephen Shore. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was one that I thought was like. Uh, yeah, Jeremy, that Stephen Shore with the car in front of the in front of the the uh, the house. Uh, Dennis Rancourt's Paul Strand is amazing. That's like dead on. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, which is actually, you know, it's really fun trying to figure out what it is that made a certain person's stuff theirs. Florian, you know? uh, Edward Hopper. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, it was a good one. Totally good one. Uh, yeah, this was a fun one. Mark Link's uh, Magritte version of a plane flipped cut out. That's kind of right, weird. Right, right, right. Uh, Martin Roth in the style of Richard Coach Hernandez. Nailed that. That was good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Margaret Burke White. I mean, there's some Ernst Haas. There's some really great stuff in here. Oh, I didn't see Millie's one. That one's nice. I like that one. Uh, yeah, good, good choice. Well, don't you know that's that's uh, that's that's not that's not me, man. Yeah, who? Wait, who was it? That's Minor White. Minor White told you to do it. Right, I <laughs> told me. From, through the, is he still alive? <laughs> no. Minor White from the grave. <laughs> oh, he died. Oh, wow, he died a long time ago. Yeah. That's right. He died right after I was born. Go ahead. You must have known him from elementary school. <laughs> yeah. Minor was a major influence. Oh. <laughs> Ooh, that's good. I like that. <laughs> that was cute. Oh my gosh. Uh so- uh, we, uh, um, you didn't have one in here, so I stuck one in here. Do you want to use that or do you want to use something else? What do you, wait, what was it again? Uh, I said uphill. Uphill. I like that. Yeah. Something different. <clears throat> uphill. Upward or upward. Upward? Yeah, but that's upward. a whole other thing. Uphill. I want to see what people could do with uphill. All right. Uphill it is. And if you live in a really flat place, figure it out. <laughs> nice. Wow. <laughs> Get so, creative, people. So decrees the yeah. Wadman. Yeah. R- rotate your camera. You you shall figure it out. Yes. <laughs> None shall pass. That's right. That's right. Uh, uh, so photographer of the week this week is a guy named Alan McWeeny. 
Alan okay. McQueenie. He's an Irish guy. Who, Alan. Oh, look at that. A-L-E-N. Alan McQueenie, right? Took me a minute to actually find him on the, on the interwebs. How um, did this come about? Okay, so a friend of mine named Kevin Greer, who's a painter friend of mine. Okay. Called me up the other day. Uh, the one that helped you with your backdrops. The one who helped me with my backdrop recently. Yeah. And, and yeah. he's in the he's in the corner series and and I've taken pictures of him before. Uh calls me up and says, Hey, uh um I uh I was in the par- in Central Park sitting there one day the other day, and I met this guy who was walking around with a camera. And uh, uh we got to talking and like he was really cool. You should look him up. So I sent him an email and we're all three of us are supposed to have lunch next week. Uh, but he's like older guy, Irish photographer, go look in the pictures, go into books and projects. Can you do this or are you, uh, I'm, I'm uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying. It's, it's hard it's on your phone. Me. Yeah. It's killing my connection here. Okay. Well, uh, so he took a bunch of pictures in Ireland, like back in the day, he's an Irish photographer. Oh, here we go. Irish travelers. Wow. And he took these beautiful pictures of like Ireland back in the day. Cause he's an older gentleman. Okay. What did you say to go to? <laughs> Uh, if you can, you go to books and projects, yep. and then under the influence, got it. Uh, there's that great picture of that horse. Uh, oh, but just look at the the light of these, like the woman up on the horse with like the black oh, wow. dress. Wow! And wow, the guy wow, with the wow. dog, right? Oh, this look at the backlit smoke. Yeah, right. It's like a scene out of Peaky Blinders. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful, oh, beautiful. Oh my gosh, work. this is gorgeous work. Yeah, and, this is and the New York subway stuff is incredible because it's a lot of it's like from back in the day. So it's got like that style and way about it that are the know, books still in print. Uh, that is a good question, which I do not have a good answer for, but I'm sure. Oh, uh, look at this with the family and the car by the sea. Oh my gosh. That's gorgeous. Right. Uh, number 12. Uh, in that project. Yeah. Okay. We'll go check. Oh out. man, that's great. So he, this guy is a serious heavy hitter. I, I like it. Did you see number 10? The guy with the crazy face, like all smushed up. Uh, yeah. standing in the field. Yeah. Standing in the field. Oh, yeah. that's great. Yeah. Really good stuff. So beautiful, beautiful work. And hopefully I I'll, I'll get to meet this guy. He, he's, he sent me an email, like super sweet. Apparently, uh, when he was, uh, 20 years old, he worked as Richard Avedon's assistant in Paris. Wow. So and where is he now? In New York. Living there. Yep. I, I, from what I understand, he lives on the Upper East Side. So, uh, I feel like uh, somebody, a, a new person that many people might not know of. Uh, but I had, I had a call with Coupon this morning and I mentioned him. He's like, oh yeah, Alan McWeeny, like Irish guy. And I was like, yeah, he's like beautiful work. Wow. So. Yeah, uh, this is really beautiful work. Different, different stuff. And there's also uh, a link to an NPR picture show uh, with a bunch of his pictures with some a little essay about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the whole, I mean, uh, it's, it's funny. I'm on like an Irish kick lately. Cause I watched uh road to perdition the other day, uh, which uh-huh. I had never seen before. I don't know how I, I missed I it. I thought that was a great flick. Beautiful movie. Yeah. Uh, do you know, like the last 20 minutes, there's only five lines of dialogue or something. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's just, just gorgeous shot. Uh, but there's all this sort of Irish history and, you know, these people who are a generation from the people who came over in the 1890s and they've built lives and how those things are shifting and the power struggles within uh, a different thing. And I'm sure, uh, uh, Alan will have some thoughts on all of this, Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah. I will let you know good uh, find. if he's the nice guy that uh, I expected he will be. Yeah. Good find. Uh, yeah. I thought it was something different. Right I'll, up I'll look, uh, after we're done here, I'll look and see if the books are still available. 
Yeah. And yeah, if they are, I'll, uh, I'll put some links in the show notes so people can go find them. Yeah. Super uh, cool. Yeah. Uh, you got anything else? We're at about an hour, but since we're on uh, uh, borrowed time on a phone, I think uh, we should probably keep it pretty okay. tight. Hey, uh, uh, I the did Irish Traveler's mention. book is available thirty one dollars, oh, thirty one bucks on Amazon. Oh man, that's good. That's a it. It looks really beautiful. Yep, I will put a link in show notes. What are you gonna say? Sorry, cut you. Uh, I, I had a chance to sit down with Sakasagawa. We mentioned him earlier. Yeah. for his new show. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll Mike has a that. new show called Keep the Channel Open. Uh, so if the, the, your, your inner masochist can't get enough of listening to me <laughs> blather on. <laughs> you know. So, so Mike just keeps the mic on 24 seven, right? Yeah. Does he have I, bandwidth caps or anything? I, I hope not. God, I hope not. Uh, it, it was fun though. It was, it was odd being on the other side. Oh, um, getting interviewed. Yeah. 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 And I, there. you know, I just, I don't know. You know, so it's, it's, it's odd, but it was a lot of fun. And well, you, you, uh, you didn't like being interviewed. I don't know. It's, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. You know, were there you, were a couple like times Terry where Gross in that, uh, Mark, or the Mark Maron no, one. No, there, there were a couple times where I, I found myself, you know, he would say something and, or ask something and then I would want to ask something back, you know, and go, well, what do you, you know, and, and trying it, it just sort of naturally kind of flipping it around and, and I have to catch myself. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. Mike's, Mike's a good guy. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. How, I, how long did the show go? No, no jokes aside. Jokes aside. Oh, gosh. Hour, hour 20, maybe? I don't uh, remember, actually. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I will put a link to show notes to the iTunes. Uh, yeah. I, I just, I, you know, I, I, I love the way Mike approaches having discussions of, around art, partially yep. because it's, it's, it's so different than how I, and, and to a large extent you approach it. Yep. And, and he, he, he often gets me thinking about things in different ways. And some, sometimes I can get there, but sometimes I, I, I can't get there and I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm still kind of, you know, we're all where we are kind of. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. uh, I, I really enjoyed it and I thank him for, for inviting me on the show. Uh, keep the channel open. Mike Sakasagawa. I will put a link to your show with him. Cool. Uh, so, uh, you got any other big plans before we, we sign off for, for this week's, uh, uh I, you know what I, I am, I am letting, I'm letting it just sort of unfold. Um, okay. I want to see as much of the local art as I can. I'm trying to talk to, I, I had an idea of, of talking to different musicians, street musicians, Okay. um, which is, is difficult because, you know, if they're out there, they're there to earn a living. They're there yeah. busking, they making money. Yeah, they don't want to sit and have a chat. But what I am doing is making some connections uh, to hopefully follow up with with yeah. some of them. And uh, the, the few that I've talked to, I've asked for for permission to at least talk about them and maybe include a little bit of their stuff. And, and maybe I can do like a uh, like a, a, a not a best of, but kind of an overview of some of the people that I've talked to. Is it going to sound um, like Home of the Brave? You know the, the podcast? Brain? I haven't uh, listened to that. Oh, we, we listened to one episode of it a while back. Somebody suggested. It's this. Oh, you know what? I remember, remember the guy that who, now. who used to do stuff for This American Life or whatever it is. Right, and he right, has right, a very right. strange voice the way he speaks. Like he's got a little way about I do him. remember that. I do yeah. remember that. Like a, a very strange sort yeah. of affectation. Yes. To, yeah, 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 yeah. His show is great. Um, yeah. Uh, another good music show is called Song Exploder. If you haven't heard oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've seen that one. The guy, uh, I forget the host's name. But he just he has a guest on and they and they they take apart one body of, of music and they play clips and then talk about 
you know, how it came to be or what they were trying to do. There's a great one with Bjork. It is fantastic. Oh yeah. Look at that. Yeah. Song exploder. Terrific show. Uh, I will, f- I, we will find that. Um, I'll put a link to show notes. Uh, anything else? I think that's it. Is that okay? Right. We, you yeah, want to yeah, keep going? Go, go, no, you should go out. There's and, a big uh, barge making this, making the bend around the, uh, around this this bend here go explore the city go up to the musician talk to him for a couple minutes and be like hey i'd love to come back tonight after you're done and have a 15 minute conversation with you you could always do that yeah yeah that's a good point i can do that and Um, just bring your little mics and click one onto them like have it all ready to go right right yeah that's a good idea yeah that's a good idea i'll try and make stuff like that happen uh and then i'm going to the garden district uh road road a a streetcar hey real quick yeah i I texted you that you you know what you don't want to do yeah. So, yeah. How'd you do this? Were you like, "Hey, look at that"? <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I did. <laughs> Riding on a streetcar, I'm like, "Oh my gosh, look at that building!" I stick my arm out the out the window of the streetcar and slam it into a tree as we went by. Ow. Yeah. I you know hurt I, like a son of a bitch. I'm lucky I didn't break my arm. Yeah, you really are. Um, I you know I almost uh, I was always worried about that in uh, uh, San Francisco. Yeah. That like another car or something would just rip my arm off. It, it was, it was terrifying because there was that moment of, of, you know, it smacked into this tree and there's that, you know, where, uh, you know, that like funny bone thing where it, where it's almost vibrates, almost stings. Yeah. 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 And I'm thinking to myself, what have I just done? I've just broken my arm. What have I done? Yeah. I've just, I've just broken my arm because I stuck it out the window of a moving streetcar. Yeah, trying yeah. to look You're at like, wow, I really am. I'm that idiot. I am that idiot. I, I <laughs> you know, I was, I was almost a YouTube video is what it was. Uh, but you know, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Scraped it, scraped my, my hand and my wrist a little bit. I'm, I'm lucky that I, cause I, I didn't have it like fully extended. I'm lucky about that because I yeah. think if I did and it hit square on sort of radius and ulna, I would have snapped, I would have snapped those and it would have been ugly. And, yeah, and you, you know, know, you know, what's never fun. Taking a compound fractures, the, yeah, yeah, and taking a streetcar to the hospital. <laughs> what with your compound <laughs> fracture from riding the streetcar and being an idiot? <laughs> yeah, that's a bad idea. Yeah, you know, no, you got to be no careful. Though, can come of that. At your age, you break bones. You just like they, they just put you out to pasture. They write you off. Yeah, yeah they really yeah. do. You're, she's done. It's just the arm. No, yeah, no, 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 no. It's going to spread. <laughs> Not dead yet. You'd be yeah. stone dead in a moment. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, yeah, so I want to live. Safety tip, kids: don't uh, don't don't point it. If you're going to point, you know, point inside. Keep your finger yeah, like uh, really close. Yeah, you know, the, keep your hands and feet inside the car at all times. Oh, Bill, it scared the shit out of me. I, it should have. You're an idiot. What the hell? It, it just funk. I mean, it just it slapped my hand back against the against the the separator on the on the wind. Oh man, why were the tr- why that thing goes that close to trees? Yes. See, that's the part that, like, up north, those trees would be five feet away. Yeah, you know? no, no, no. You, I whacked right into it. And I'm lucky it wasn't, like, one of the, the metal signs. It would have, you know, sliced my arm off or yeah. something. Yeah, would have taken my arm off. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> wow, it's just, it's, it's all, uh, it's all <sighs> Monty Python all the time. It, it, it really is. It really, hey, I, let me I, ask you one last question. Yeah, sure. Did you listen to the, uh, the Sasha Baron Cohen interview with Mark Maron? Yes, do you think that Sasha Baron Cohen is this generation's Peter Sellers? No. Okay. Do you think he is is a, a brilliant guy, or do you think he's just a, a sham artist? Or <sighs> somewhere in between? I think he's somewhere in between. Okay. I, I think 
and I was, he speaks I was having, very well. He does. He does. Um, I, I like some of the satire and some of the things that he does, but, but overall I was having a conversation with Hugh about this, about the, the sort of state of comedy and how, how comedy has changed and, and has become, I don't know, largely based on shock value and, is, and is not as much reference to the Ghostbusters trailer. Oh no, but that was horrible. That's another thing. Ugh, that was awful. Comedy has 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 sort of has come to rely on shock value in, in many areas rather than being funny. Yeah, you know, I I tend to, you know, we referenced Monty Python, which I think what they what those guys did was hilarious. I think anything that John Cleese does is typically spot on and really funny. Yep. Um, I like physical comedy. I like pratfalls. I like observational humor. Um, when it gets into just sort of shock value and scatological comedy, th- th- that's not really very interesting. Yeah. To Look, they're showing that man's penis. Right. Not really very interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm with you. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, I like some of the stuff that he does. I think, I think Sasha Baron Cohen's really talented. Um, he, I saw another interview where he talked about backing out of the, the, the Freddie Mercury biopic. Yeah. Well, they, there's mixed stuff on that, that, that queen didn't really like his play on it. Right. He wanted to go full Freddie. And apparently what queen wanted to do was Freddie dies halfway through the movie. And the rest of the movie is about how queen have persevered and carried on and blah, 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 which, yeah, which no one cares about queen. Nobody cares for about Freddie. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Guys. You want to see that whole, that you want to see the, the Freddie, you know, you want to see Farouk become Freddie. Sure. Yep. You know, um, but yeah, I, I think he's talented. I just, I, I don't know. Uh, from what I've seen of of the brothers Grimsby, I think there are parts of it that look really funny, but then there are parts of it where it's just like, how much can we show and what can we get away with? Yeah, yeah. And well, I, I don't, I don't really dig that approach to comedy. Yeah, that's. I mean, that seems to be a lot of his game. Yeah. Right. Uh, but you know, it's like one of those things where it's like you could talk about it and point out the the uh the the social commentary across the board on it it's yeah like, i guess you could yeah I but at the same could. time it's like that's still okay but I or don't go find... back and watch a peter sellers film exactly yeah <laughs> you yeah. know yeah. or or i don't know yeah right. but I, right. I do think he's talented i just i i think uh he sometimes plays to the lowest common denominator yeah 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 well go uh look at some alan mcweeney and uh we'll talk next week all right. Thanks All for right. listening, everyone. Thanks for uh, for letting me chime in from from Nolans. No problem. Oh my god! And the red beans and rice last night was phenomenal. All right. Now I'm gonna have to go get some Mexican beans and rice tonight. It was incredible. Damn. Maybe that's what I'll do for lunch. Yeah. Rice and beans, always good. Always good. All right. We'll see you later. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone.
this way Say what you wanna say I know what you will say We'll leave